With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Is it on? Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're here live on this 13th Spirit Wars episode. Perfect that we'd have our 13th episode on this Halloween morning or afternoon. Or actually, we're past Halloween here in Taiwan. Because today we are joined with Michelle Carmela Saldana, who is going to uh, take us down the rabbit hole. We're going to go into some of the deepest stuff that they just don't want you to know about. Um, The SRA, the satanic ritual abuse victims that are so neglected that um, we're trying to draw more attention to. We actually met, uh, Michelle and I began to speak through Daniel Duvall. Daniel Duvall. Well, maybe Daniel Duvall too, but Douglas Dietrich. Why do these people have... DD is their initials, you know? Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. And, um, that interview really sparked a lot of attention and a lot of, uh, things have branched out of it, but I really feel like the Lord brought us together through, um, through that. That was one of the main purposes of it. Um, now you're a Christian, you're, you're involved in ministry. You've been ministering to people for about 30 years that are, or you've been exposing this stuff for 30 years through TV and radio, um, going to churches when this stuff is just not acceptable to talk about, uh, the Satanism and the, and the government and, and the military. And we're going to talk about bloodlines and just see where it goes. So, um, if you're listening, just please pray for us and, uh, we'll expect miracles through this and to come through this. So, all right, God bless you. And, uh, why don't you, why don't you take the microphone here, Michelle? And, uh, Let's see how your sound is coming through. Michael, thank you for this opportunity. And it's so cool that we met. Um, uh, and I, I was kind of like not sure if I should message or not. Uh, because I, I I don't know Douglas Dietrich. We haven't talked or we haven't talked, but we're Facebook friends. I, I basically, I follow him. He's so he so knowledgeable, so fascinating, so uh, eloquent, and and thorough, and it, it it's just amazing to listen to him. But um, I I almost felt like I I was infringing to say that I you know to contact you, but I also felt compelled. So I I followed that that uh unction to to message you and i'm glad that we especially after our first conversation i'm really glad that we that we uh 
that we spoke. So. Amen. Uh, me too. And um, I was just blown away this afternoon when when you started to just go right into everything. Um, <laughs> I see. I've been trying to reach people like you that have been involved in this kind of stuff that are obviously. You, I mean, it's just weird enough to know that you were born in Taiwan. But um, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Really weird. And so was Douglas, actually. Yes, he was. I mean, that's when I first messaged him. That was one of the things that I said. But that was like, oh, so many months ago. And I think that's all. It, really, basically, I said that I was born in Taiwan and I was getting the message out there, too, and just left it at that. Yeah, so where should we begin? Like, do you want to talk about just your, maybe just start from the beginning, your childhood? and I'll I'll talk, uh, I'll give a little bit of background, I think, and then talk about, yeah, I'll talk about, uh, I think, how I I came to know the Lord, uh, or quote, unquote, be saved, and uh, how my, uh, how I've been doing this for 30 years when, uh, when it doesn't look like I have, you know, I'm in my, I'm in, I'm in my mid 40s. So people ask, what, you started when you were, you know, you had to be a little kid. I, I literally, I was. I did start this when I was, this advocacy when I was a little kid. So, okay, I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. So hello world. And, and especially hello to, to uh, the place of my birth. And uh, my dad was in the military. They were, uh, both of my parents uh, were born and raised in the States. And so my dad was stationed in Taiwan. Then uh, afterwards, uh, I guess we, we went to the States, first to Okinawa and then Alaska, and then the different different states until he ended up uh he and my mother ended up back in their home state excuse me so i was raised there and that's where most of my abuse happened and that's in the state of pennsylvania i'd like to make clear in case uh any family members or community members uh from uh that from that area are listening uh there's I I make this clear for a reason that I'll I'll tell you all later. Um, but I'm making this clear that I'm speaking from my own experience, not speaking for anybody else's experience. And my my experiences are my own. Um, and whether they are. Uh, uh, oh, what is that term? Uh, well, we'll we'll get we'll get into all of that. We'll get all into all later. But I can't think of the term right now. But it's the term where uh, the, 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 people say that it's oh false memory. Whether people think it's a false memory or right. maybe it is a false memory or maybe or whether it is an actual memory. These memories are truly my own that I am going to to share. Well, so, that's a very humble uh, thing to say. <laughs> Usually, people don't want to say that. No, it, well, it's 
No, it's not a humble thing to say. Thank you for saying that and thinking that, but it's actually covering my behind. Okay, I'll tell you now why I say that. Because there have been times where I've been on the radio and I've been boycotted or somebody has thought uh, to advertise that I'm going to, you know, uh, up-and-coming interviews coming up. I have been boycotted in the past from uh, people in my home area. Um, I have been, uh, people have attempted to discredit or, uh, in years past, things, I think, I think things have shifted a little bit in my family, but in years past, uh, even my siblings were trying to discredit me and, or they'd say, you know, that I'm, I'm talking for everybody and that's not the case. I've always over the years, I've only spoken to my own experiences, and um, and we're going to get into a little bit, uh, t- I think, today about um, some of the challenges that people face when they tell their story, um, and why uh, it's so difficult for people to do so. Well, it says in the Bible, you know, the prophet is not accepted in his hometown, is amongst his family. I so, know. I take but it, you're not really talking to them so much. You're talking to a large group of people that are. Um, exactly. You know. And I'm talking to people who want to uh, want to know uh, how how to make it through life with the backgrounds that is that are similar to mine. So if my if those who are like if those who are comfortable in their prison, you know, then they're comfortable in their prison. But there comes a time where not everybody is comfortable in their prison. They 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 the the comfort of that prison wears away, and they realize, oh, I've been in cage. Ooh, I can't make my own. I can't decide whether I want to eat vanilla or chocolate. Somebody else is deciding my ice cream flavors for me. And that's, that's too overbearing. Let me, let me break away from this and try maybe a swirl and see how that goes, you know, uh, without having to answer to somebody as to flavor, you know, and I tell you, it can't get that intense. Uh, and and people with my background actually do go through uh, what I just described is really silly things that were that were put through along with uh, horrific tortures. So um, those are the people that I want, that I'm trying to reach is are the people that have our backgrounds and have to also navigate in a world that. Our world is so foreign that only mo- to understand it, movies and sci-fi books are are made out of it, and the public still doesn't get it. Uh, it and uh, the public just becomes warriors, and we well, they become will, sideshows. They, they wear yeah. their ignorance as a shield, as um, Alex Jones likes <laughs> to say. It's a great analogy because the sci-fi movies kind of provide. Um, a shield for them to say, oh, well, I saw that in Avengers, or, oh, that was from Iron Man. Oh, you're making that up. That's from whatever movie. Yes. You know? And, 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 uh, yeah. 
honestly. So it it's it's to the people who and it, it it's it's to the people that I hope that my children and my my descendants will be that they'll want to break free and uh, and uh, learn to navigate both worlds. So, um, with that said, uh, I uh, let me also say that some of this is going to be uh, rated R. If you have little ones that you don't want to hear this or teenagers that you don't want to have here a rated R conversation, then uh, they then uh, you need to make some some adjustments to accommodate that. Um, my first memory is uh, of any sexual abuse is a vague memory of uh, of oral sex when I was an infant and. Then uh, graduating uh, to touching, groping, force kissing of, of men when I was uh, a toddler. Um, any sexual abuse other than that, it's it's pretty vague. I, I don't remember so clearly. But I do remember um, being sat at a table told when I was allowed, you know, with, with food. I heard somebody else say this in an interview, uh, maybe it's within the past few years that she was saying that she went through something similar that, and I was just, yes, that I, I remember this too. Um, sitting at a table when I was a toddler and I had to go to the bathroom and I was thirsty and I was hungry and when I said I was thirsty and I grabbed a little teacup of water, my hand was slapped and I I wasn't allowed I wasn't allowed to just grab it. I had to ask for it and then I was uh, treated I was ignored and I couldn't understand why what was going on and uh and it was some kind of it was some kind of mental training and breaking breaking me down that uh, eventually uh, I got spanked because I wet myself and then uh, and I eventually was able to eat and get something to drink and then I was and I was cleaned up but it was uh, I don't I I remember ha- ha- that kind of test. Uh, happening uh, many times, but I don't remember if I passed it or how I ever passed it. Um, I was put in closets and, and cupboards uh, and left there uh, for for years. That happened. Uh, it, it's such a it's such, I was already seeing uh, unseen entities. As a toddler, I was already uh, saying things with my words and things would happen. I already knew when people were coming over. Uh, I already knew, you know, I already knew when, when somebody was going to come over and they didn't call, but they were coming. 
before my parents even said. Um, sometimes I knew what somebody was going to say before they said it. Um, or they were going to do something before they did it. That really didn't help me much as a toddler because I was too weak to defend myself. It actually, that caused more stress because I would know that somebody was going to do something harmful. And I really couldn't, I, I could mentally prepare for it a little bit, but I couldn't physically, at that time, I I couldn't physically defend myself. So the anxiety of knowing that it was coming and waiting for it kind of made things a little bit more stressful. Um, I was, I was already operating on, on spiritual in a spiritual realm when I was a toddler uh, with many different gifts and avenues and um, stress. The more stressful I was, the more, uh, intense any of these uh, any of these abilities uh, operated then um, as I got older uh, actually when I was six SIX years old uh, was the first time I remember being raped and I didn't tell anybody until I was 10. And when I told my parents, my, da my dad had, uh, my dad had asked me, um, his reaction was, how could you make me choose between my baby brother, who was my, so my uncle was my rapist, his, his youngest brother, how could you make me choose between my baby brother, my flesh and blood, and you? And by this time, I already knew where babies came from, and I knew that I was his flesh and blood. I came from him and my mother, but he chose his brother over me. So, and it was that day, that evening, when he and my mother were deciding whether to send me away that uh, that's when I had my first audible encounter with God that we know as, uh, that I call Creator uh, Father. And that was the first time I was introduced to a loving God. Prior to that, I was told that Jesus, the image of Jesus on the cross, when I asked about why the, why who was that and why was he up there? I was told it was Jesus and he was on the, he was on the cross because that, that he disobeyed his father. And that's what happened to children who disobeyed. And that's what God did to people who uh, disobeyed. So uh, it, it was an audible encounter that I had with God. And I was shocked and surprised to find out that he was a loving, uh, he was a loving, per you know, he's a loving person. And, so, uh, that's like the most satanic thing to ever tell a kid to show the crucifix to someone and say that. And so you were, you were raised Catholic then? I was raised Catholic, but you bring up say, say, uh, the Satanism, uh, or 
you know, a satanic thing to do. Uh, even though I, I had this amazing experience of having this conversation with, with God, and he told me about Jesus, uh, and that is how I got saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and not evidence of speaking in tongues. That didn't, I didn't have a prayer language until like three or four years later. But I had my ability to prophesy and and foresee the future. Uh, uh, instead of for other people, that night I was able to see it. Uh, and, and in my own life, I was able to see it even clearer and feel empowered like i was whatever i saw i was actually going to be able to do something about it that i wasn't going to be left helpless and have to just take the punishments that being said i did go through satanic ritual abuse i also did go through religious sexual abuse i mean i i I was forced to give fellatio to a priest as he was getting the Eucharist ready for the, for the next service. So that, that was really, you know, um, the things that you're uh, describing are so outrageous that I can see how you said that God himself showed himself to you and told you the gospel directly. Um, I can yeah. understand why he would taught, do that. Three, you know, I mean, it's for just three so years taught me how to read the Bible. Three years taught me read, how to read the Bible, and I read the i I read the Old Testament more so than I read the New Testament. It was probably uh, it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I got saved on uh, reading about uh, the conversation. That's recorded between God and uh, Jeremiah when he was a child. And then Elijah, uh, or no, it's over in Ezekiel. I think it's, uh, uh, I'll have to look up the scripture. Um, but it talks about the baby that was, uh, for, that was born and thrown out to the desert. And, and, uh, Ishmael. I was wor I was wor What's that? Ishmael, right? Um, Hagar's son. No, but it's along those lines. Oh, okay. uh, My bad. I look at. I'll look, uh, you know, it's it said it starts out that your your mother was from this uh, tribe. Uh, your dad was from this tribe, and when you were born, you were born. You were thrown out to the desert, but. Uh, people walked past you, but I found you. I nurtured you. Uh, I I cleaned you up. I nurtured you. I I I I raised you. I took care of you. And when um, when it could be seen that you were uh, were of age to marry, there there was none that that uh, were worthy of you and. You know, it almost sounds like it's almost it sounds incestuous where this person takes care of this child, this older person takes care of this child, and then she, uh, she's of age to marry, 
and it's like no one in the world is worthy of this girl um not only do i think of her as a daughter but i think of her as a as a as a bride and i clo i clothed you in embroidered you know in, in the finest of clothes and the and embroidered clothes and then you cheat on me you know <laughs> and and you run with all these princes and all these people who treat you badly uh when when you look at it just reading it for face value you think oh my god what a disgusting ugh. but when you use it as an allegory of our our relationship with creator how he forms us he creates us or he takes us out of the the out of a living hell and he nurtures us there there's no one to cherish us the way that he does now if a if a grown person did this and was like that with me or I hear somebody else did that to a child they're a physical human being I would have to say uh, no this is that's not the right way to be you know as a human being um, but as an allegory to illustrate how much uh, all the things that God God senses about us as his creation um, I think it, it greatly encompasses those feelings of what I've experienced uh, in my relationship with God. Um, I say, you know, let me, let me say, just stop you for just one second. The, the sure. internet connection is pretty bad. I'm going to switch my internet right now. We're having some issues here. We're actually in an old mission base in Taiwan okay. right now, so things are... Oh, not exactly cool. up to speed as far as high speed Taiwanese internet goes. Um, so I'm about to switch it to my 4G connection on my phone. So um, allow okay. me just to. Um, I'm going to tell you, fascinate me. I have all kinds of questions for you about you. Sure. Yeah. Let's let's just um, maybe just finish that thought train and um, first. But well, let me um, switch my internet. So just give me a few minutes here. Give me just one minute. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'm going to just close the Skype call for just a second here. And I'll okay, call you right back. Okay, and I'm going to look up those scriptures. Okay, yeah. I know which one you're talking about now. I'm facepalming myself. Like, duh. It's not It's not Ishmael. Yeah, but it probably, I'm not good with addresses, and somebody's going to hear that yeah. and wonder why. If these are the scriptures you got saved on, why does I know. It happens the, all the time. For, yeah, for me, too. All right, okay. I'll call you right back, sister. Thank you. Okay, just uh, just give me a minute. Okay. Okay, bye. All righty, the wonders of modern internet, and yet it does have its moments. So we are going to play a song as I as I mess with this. Hopefully, this will play for the time being. Hallelujah.
destroying the enemy everywhere. And I'm just smashing them to bits. On this Halloween, it's good to know that we can do some damage. Do a little bit of extra damage than usual. Let's see how we're, our audio is going to here. Hello. Alrighty, hello. I found the addresses. Oh, good. Okay, what, what did you get? Um, it's Jeremiah 1, starting at verse 4. And Ezekiel okay. 16, also starting at verse 4. Those are the scriptures I got saved on. Those You got saved on those scriptures? Whoa. Yeah. And, and what was cool is I had Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I pointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, surveyed Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak and I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. Wow. How old you were you must, when you got saved? I was 10. I, I was just, actually, I was 9. It was just, this is the beautiful irony. I was three days shy of being 10 years old. <laughs> I had three more days to my birthday. So I hmm. had, a, I call it my resurrection experience. So, so it says, wow. uh, but the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You go where I, you go to everyone I said send you to and you say whatever I tell you don't be afraid of them I'm with you I will rescue you declares the Lord then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said I put my words in your mouth see today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot to tear down to destroy and overthrow and to build and to plant the word of the Lord came to me saying so this is another time. He says, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said, you see correctly. I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Then another time, what do you, the Lord said, what do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered, says Jeremiah. It is tilting toward us from the north. And the Lord said, from the north, the disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the people of the northern kingdoms, declared the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls, against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness. And forsaking me, and burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests. And the people of the land, they will fight against you, but you will not but will not overcome you, 
for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So that's the covenant that God and I have had all these all these decades. And I had a speech impediment when I was a kid. Really? The only time I could talk clearly is if I was talking about something that was God related. Hmm. And that was that went on for a long time, all through all through high school even. Uh, I had a high school teacher that I I was I almost failed high school. I was enlisted in the Air Force, and I I almost failed physics, and I almost uh, failed English Lit because oh physics I wasn't good at. Um, I put an engine together, and I I did it in a record time uh, lawnmower engine, and that's what got me through physics. <laughs> Passing physics was I was able to put that engine together and name all the parts and functions. Cool. Then, uh, then uh, English, the teacher comes to me and says, I heard that you are actually an eloquent speaker and that you've been speaking for quite a few years already. What? You can't even say your name. I tell you what, if you, if, I'm going to I'm going to your event tonight and if I hear you speak eloquently I'm going to pass you but if you stammer just one little bit I'll fail you. I said but I've been listed. He goes not my problem is it? And and uh yeah, I passed. I graduated. <laughs> That's a nice teacher. <laughs> He actually wasn't, but oh. uh, he was actually, <laughs> that's a nice story, but I actually have some yes, many, that's a nice story. That's what I meant. horrible stories about this man, but he did teach me to be a researcher. It's because of him that I am the researcher that I am. So you've been doing quite a bit of research. I guess um, I, w- I really want to hear just the beginnings of your testimony, and this will definitely just be the first of, I hope, many interviews, but... um. But what what are you researching right now? You mentioned um, oh. a huge project just earlier. Oh, several huge projects. Um, well, let me. Fi- can I? Is it okay if I finish first? My uh, absolutely. My yeah, story. No, I'll stop cutting in here. Oh no, <laughs> Michael. No, I'm your guest. You have questions? Ask. Uh, you have any thought that you want to interject? Ask. You know. If uh, uh, if I need to come, you know, if I need to interrupt uh, my story to address it, I I will, or uh, I'll come I'll come to it uh, as soon as I finish my thought. This is this is uh, a beautiful gift that you're giving me. So I I I have a lot of gratitude to you for this. You're making um, me blush. But here, I just so wanted I'm to just finish up, up the, the, this little. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just feel like if you were here, I'd pinch your cheek or just at the side of your face and say, oh, Michael. Okay. But anyway, um, I, I just wanted to wrap up uh, the segment of how I got saved and how I got started in, in this uh, ministry journey. Uh, an advocacy journey. Uh, so I got saved on, on uh, Jeremiah 1, uh, 4 through 17. And 
Ezekiel 16, 4 through 14, as I was uh, saying before. And for three years, uh, uh, I had audible daily uh, Bible studies, if you will, with God. He was teaching me to read the Bible, and he would literally tell me where to open up. I, I did not have experience reading the, reading the Bible. And this was back in the days where Gideon, the uh, the the uh, Gideon organization was passing out, uh, was able to pass out uh, Bibles and religious literature into the schools. So that's where I got my first Bible. Was It was a Gideon Bible, and it was given to me in the fourth grade in a public school. If anybody could imagine that happening today. Um, so after several years of praying and having these uh, conversations with God, uh, there was a town hall meeting. We had to have a town hall meeting in my town because it turned out that there were so many people having these strange uh, happenings. And it was so weird. We had to talk about it. People saying that they were hearing God or they were having these visitations. And it was just like, what in the world is all this about? So it was so strange for us that we had to, we met at a fire hall. And we just started sharing how, you know, we just had to all be vulnerable and uh, risk people thinking that we were crazy or that we were collectively crazy. Uh, it, it was the kind of reaction that people would have if the whole town acknowledged that they saw a UFO and it was hovering over the earth, that it wasn't a storm cloud, that it was like a UFO. I mean, this is the kind of uh, intensity that we were, that a good number of us were feeling. And so it was on that day that I stood up at the podium and I said, when I was 10, I had this encounter. What you all are encountering now, I've already encountered uh, and have been going through for years. And it's God. I love it. But let me tell you, there are kids like myself, who are being sexually abused. There are sacrifices happening in the woods. There are murders taking place. You are adults. You're supposed to uh, protect us children. Why aren't you? And now that you know that this is happening and God is calling you accountable, what are you going to do about it? And several of my abusers were there. Um, one being my mother. Um, I... <laughs> I got beat up all the way home <laughs> and I got, I got, you know, I paid the price for, for speaking up like that, but it was the beginning. It was time for me to speak and I spoke and, and, uh, people noticed that when I started speaking, I was, and by the time I was done, I was, I, I was, on fire and eloquent and in their face and not stammering and stuttering. <laughs> uh, after that, I would, I just uh, had a, I, it was a fire and it was a rage 
And I don't know how much of it was God and how, how much of it was me because I was going through these tortures. Um, some of the people that were there uh, were the people torturing me. But what was happening at the time was there were so many adults that they were having these. The children were acting unruly. Uh, and, uh, and the adults were having nightmares. And and having these uh, uh, experiences where they they thought that they were hearing uh, things and they thought that they were hearing these screams and cries and this this being telling them uh, you're sacrificing my children to Bolek, you're you're torturing my children and it, and I, I just stood up and told him this is God. He's he's telling you. What are you going to do about it? And and I've been asking adults that now for 30 years. And uh, and I, I and what I I resent I resent nothing more as much as I resent this with all the information that's out there over the decades. The public still wants to pretend that they don't know anything about all the evils that happen in the world. Yeah, I know. Brings us right back to the same old thing. Like people just, they live in their comfort zone and they want to watch their sports and they want to um, think that the world is a certain way. Like um, for me too, recently I, I got away with showing the 9-11 documentary to kids and watching it 10 oh. times last week. 10 times to 10 different groups of 50 class, fifty kid classes. And it I just have made me chills. think about, I'm sorry? I have chills that you were able to do that and well, just... You know, I'm used to this. I've been here for eight years awesome. and you can get away with a lot of stuff out here, especially in the countryside. And we're just not living under the United Nations grid, which I hope you'll talk about that later at some point. Oh. The United Nations and what you mentioned before. But anyway, like I just realized what? watching that documentary... Go to the land of my birth. Oh, it's so beautiful here. It's, there's said, so many things that are not beautiful, but then there's so many things that are ridiculously beautiful. It's it's a total paradox. But um, watching that documentary over and over and over and over again, every hour for 10 hours in like this week, I've been thinking about America and 9-11 and how we swallowed so many lies leading up to that and ever since then. It's just, it made me nauseous and it also made me realize how important um, this moment is where part of America is waking up and part of America wants to stay asleep. And it's voices like yours that are going to really um, not only wake people up, but also give people courage to speak out that maybe they know this stuff or they've been through this and to realize that they can also make a difference. And I'm going to turn my mic off and, and shut up again. <laughs> Michael, I don't like when you when you say it like that. <laughs> well, Jenny's sitting right here, and she's gonna like make me some kind of hand gesture to like shut me up. She's doing one already. <laughs> so, believe me, I can talk. I can just go on talking for the next two hours. That's my job. <laughs> this is your chance to to talk. Oh, uh, Susan Storm wants to know what state you uh, lived in growing up. Uh, Pennsylvania. 
Whoa, isn't that where Susan's from? Well, I better Oops. Who's Susan? Susan's um, uh, a dear friend from the states that's been very brave to to enter into a lot of these different um, these different realms and uh, is helping me to do a, an interview with a guy named uh, the Praying Medic. I guess you've heard of him. Um, well, you bet you mentioned him uh, when we first when we first spoke. There's just so many heroes that are coming out of the woodwork right now, and it's it's really exciting to work with people who are kind of like crossing the board in a lot of these areas. But anyway, I want I want to get your testimony out like in in a con- sort of concise form here. But yeah, sorry. good luck. Good keep luck. going, keep going. <laughs> but just you know, it's this is a this is not scripted, obviously. So <laughs> so. Um... Yeah, there's many pages to this to this story. Uh, I I don't think I I could make a book. It would have to be a bunch of, bunch of sci-fi movies. I think would be more more uh, along the lines of my given my story. Um. Uh, well, okay. You had asked me a question, and I totally forgot it now. Because I wanted to finish about how I got saved and into ministry, and oh, I'm I'm sorry, I should have wrote it down. What was? Do you remember what your question was? Um, well, for later on about the United Nations, but we were just talking about you. Oh. The last thing you said was how in this congregation you're giving us, you're sharing your testimony, and that that people yeah, and for the past decades I've been asking adults, what are you going to do? You know about the tortures that are happening to children because what happens is uh tortured children grow up to be tortured adults and some of those tortured adults end up uh remaining tortured or torturing others so uh uh but um I, I, I would like to talk a little bit about uh, deliverance, if that's okay, because I would like to get into maybe uh, maybe talk about how I ended up uh, remaining a human being instead of uh, instead of giving over into uh, becoming a psychopath because I was being trained. Uh, in addition to the, so addition to the satanic abuse, the religious sex abuse, plus there was all kinds of, I mean, you know, we talk about the teachers, uh, kids being abused by teachers and by, I'm just going to tell you right now, teachers, doctors, lawyers, uh, parents, uh, police, the sheriffs, uh, city officials, uh, po- state politicians, U.S. Politi- uh, U.S. government politicians, higher ups. Those were all by uh, uh, entertainers. Those were all by abusers. And let me say again, also parents. If you didn't hear it the first time, so where was I going to go? Who was I going to ask to, for help? This was back in the 80s. 
so nowadays we have the UN's agenda, you know, the UN's anti-human trafficking agenda. They they have this cookie cutter uh, image that the person that was trafficked, quote unquote, trafficked, uh, is somebody that was just you know kidnapped somewhere and and uh, enforced into uh, uh, sex slavery. That does happen. I'm not going to ever say that it does not happen. It does happen. But it is not as, a, as common as a child who is already born into that world. There's more of us who were born of deviant parents or adopted or fostered by deviant people. The CPS is the conveyor belt and the factory of, of damaged children and individuals who have been uh, abused in a thousand and one ways and, and uh, given all kinds of psychotics and antipsychotics to either make them compliant or to uh, manipulate their brains. And their and their psyche, um, that is more prevalent. But the narrative of that, which used to be the focus, has been the shift has now been moved. You don't hear people. Okay, yeah, there are headlines, but you don't hear the actual. Uh, of the actual systematic uh, endeavors to help rescue and heal those people and to uh, rebuild the individual family and community the way that you used to from the 80s and the 90s. Because once we became so, uh, we victim survivors uh, became so organized to become survivor activists we were effective in holding the uh, powers that be, the local, the local authorities, the state authorities, the higher up government officials. Uh, evidence of that is like the Franklin scandal, where uh, people, people, uh, the victims testified and called out their abusers. And were able to uh, to bring uh, at least some people to to account. Um, I myself have not not one of my abusers has uh, ever been arrested or been on trial, um, and. People will, uh, it's really easy, especially in this day and age of the human trafficking, uh, the, uh, the effects of the, the UN's, uh, anti-trafficking, anti-human trafficking cult and agenda, uh, that, that psych op, it's really easy for, to, for people to say, well, 
why did you go to authorities? I already outlined. They were part. They were. Uh, they were part of my abuse. Uh, some of them were clients, quote unquote clients. Uh, so there was no going to them. Uh, why did I go to a teacher? Why did I seek help? I already covered. It was a small town. People. Uh, uh, it, it, there, there was just no getting help from the adults. So the other argument is, uh, uh, that's quite prevalent is, well, if it wasn't recorded, uh, and a police report wasn't made, well, then it didn't happen. I promise you at least a good, you know, I'm just throwing out a figure, but I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, uh, a good majority are not recorded. People just grow up and deal with their with their uh, scarred psyche uh, the best way they know how with alcohol, with drugs, with lashing out. Um, I don't like statistics, but there's but I'm just going to throw this throw this out there because it's what is uh, socially acceptable. No one really knows uh, where this statistic came from, but it said that one in six uh, girls are raped by the time they're nine, and one in uh, one in uh, six or nine boys are raped by the time that they're that they're nine. And I would actually put it to the to the public if they would take the time to do their studies, they're going to find out that there were more boys raped by the time that they were nine than girls because the pet, the, the predators and the pedophiles prefer to damage the psyche of the boys more so than the girls. Uh, and why, why do I say this? And this is not how, uh, well, this is, Something a little bit different than uh, homosexuality. Uh, I'll deal with that either later in this interview or another day. Uh, I want people to think about the role, the 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 natural uh, nature of a boy and a girl. Boys are. Boys already have this. I gotta climb mountains, and I gotta discover what's on the over, the over on the other side, and um, they already have this sense. Boy, I, 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 I have two sons, and I, I watch them just uh, naturally develop a blossom when they were toddlers, and and I have. Plenty of friends over the years that I've known from their childhood or at different stages that uh, are male and homosexual. So I know the heterosexual and homosexual males. The sense of chivalry, the sense of I'll protect you, the sense of uh, adventure, um, swashbuckler. Um, I know these men, heterosexual and homosexual to have, to have this about their, you know, their uh, part of their character and inner core, and and 
but uh, but the person, the man that's damaged is like, yeah, I've always wanted to do this, but you know, I don't, I can't, I'm not capable. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if uh, I'm never gonna find somebody. I don't know why. I don't. I have trust issues. I don't trust me. Um, and the the level of post traumatic stress disorder that is among the heterosexual men and and homosexual men now, whether whether they were a soldier, whether they were an EMT or a police officer or a fighter fighter or just trying to earn a living now. The economy is so bad that people are getting post-traumatic stress disorder from being so discouraged over a poor economy. And if their spouse leaves or their certificate other leaves and it's not just the United States, but in several different countries in the world. CPS, but but quite prevalent in the United States. CPS will take children away from from parents just because they're poor. That still happens today. Um, all of that is so damaging to the psyche of a person. To make them feel less than a person. Plus on top of that. When you're a child. And you're forced into doing all of these things. It goes against the nature. Of a, of a young man. It really does go against the nature of a young man. To. Some of the things that they're forced to do. And now by the time that they're a teenager. They're not sure if they're homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, um, and if they have been forced to be with animals and inanimate objects. It's I I've watched that be I've watched that abuse harder for a man to deal with than a woman to deal with, and it's already quite difficult speaking from experience. For a woman to deal with. But I've also. And, and there are not helps for men. That, that's the other. Uh, down, that's the other. Horrible thing. About this anti-human trafficking. Uh, cult that the UN started. The narrative. Is on women and children. And not men. The narr but when I say children. Boys are not getting the help that they need from their sexual abuse or their physical abuse or their mental traumas. The focus of the narrative constantly on the femi on feminism, constantly on women as as the sole victims. We need to teach we need to teach men how to be sensitive to girl to to women, and that starts when they're boys. And it's all about uh, uh, protecting the girl. I'm sorry, but there are boys that get 
that get so that get raped and have to go to school. There are boys that once they get home, they get raped again, and then they have, and then uh, we don't know what other tortures that they go through, and they have to pretend and and navigate uh, at least two worlds. And if people want to know why, you know, why we have, you know, why why men are not the valiant warriors that they used to be. They are. They're not. They're not credited as such. And they really need to be. the The surest way to destroy a society and a generation is take out the men first. I studied uh, the culture of the Spartans. I feel like this is what our generation is, is the smart, is we are the Spartans. The downfall of the Spartans, you know, that movie 300, Michael, that made the Spartans famous. Are you? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really trying to control myself not to butt in here, but um, I know. Yeah, I know. And I was just yeah. going to say that men tend to, in some ways, women are very resilient. Um, where men do tend to buckle with some of this emotional kind of stuff. I don't know where the line is, but um, it's interesting that only are, women are speaking well, about, I'll, about I'll, this. I'll get right into now. that after I talk about the spark. Uh, yeah. The spark. Okay. Anyway, I'm here. I just, I turned my okay. mic off cause I don't want any other um, like with the Douglas Dietrich interview. I noticed that the air conditioner made a lot of noise and, and he was like, is somebody making coffee back there the whole time? So, <laughs> anyway, try not to do that this time. That's funny. Um, well, so the Spartans, uh, you know, we know from the movie, uh, the movie romanticized them quite a bit. Um, yes, they were, they were noble warriors, but, um, they're, the, the, the women, they only came together uh, the men and the women only came together to procreate normally the women had control of the town and the men went off to war and they didn't they they were barely ever in town they lived uh, in the wilderness and they fought and they and they just uh, lived rugged they and they took on uh, the the boys were the boys left the city and the village when they were were about six or seven years old and they learned the ways to be when they were uh, from the bed but uh, from the pottery homosexuality was the norm they only they only marry they only uh came together as a duty to keep uh procreation going um that that was their norm uh it's very I, interesting 
yeah, isn't it though? But it feels like to me that in this generation, that this is where we're, how we're treating our men. And we went from just a few, you know, it just feels like we went from uh, several, somebody is going to correct me and let me know th that I'm wrong if I am wrong. Um, and I, I, well, don't I don't mind having a dialogue about this at all. That's all right. Because there's, we constantly have women's studies. I mean, now it's a, it's a, uh, it's a topic that you could get uh, a co college degree in is women's gender studies. But what about men? Men are being neglected. Men are being faulted and blamed. Men are being mistreated today. And the, the, the weight of men, of course they're going to buckle. The weight that are, that are put on our men today is tremendous. The one time my son called me, he was 14 years old. And he was just getting to, uh, you know, at that dating age. And he calls me and he says, oh, God bless you. Uh, he says to me, what, you know, I don't have a job. I, I, I mean, I have a job, but I'm not rich. I want to take a girl out to the movies, but what if she likes me and I always have to take her out? And, oh my gosh, and like, wait a minute, you haven't even asked a girl out yet, have you? No. But how could I date if I if I don't have money? But you have money. You have a job. But I don't have a car. You're 14. You don't need a car. Yes, I do. If I want to date, Mark, because so girls, yeah. they want somebody with a car. Well, you're not going to get a car at 14, honey. Public transportation works. No, not if I want to date a girl. Not if I want... Mom... Is that, look, you're 14. If the girl likes you, she's going to like you. And you are likable. And I had to tell him and reassure him. And thankfully, for, for a while, the girl that he dated at that time did like him for him. Later on, a few years down the road, when he proposed to her, she did take him for a bunch of money. He paid for two years of her college, and after her college, the, after the second year, she decided uh, she didn't want to be engaged to him anymore. So it did break his heart and uh, put him off women for a while, and I don't blame him, but God bless him. Uh, they're young. They have many years. My, my children are young. They have many years to walk their personal journey and figure their life road out and uh, who, how they identify may fluctuate or may solidify. That's it's only my job to love them and to be there, um, which is a challenge when uh, it's part of my uh, punishment for leaving the mafia and leaving that strange life. Uh, 
is being estranged from my children. Uh, so I, I kind of end up parenting from a distance and through third party. Um, and part of my work and advocacy and research is not just for my own personal healing, but to uh, have most of the research done and available for them. So when they have questions, uh, the they can have a good uh, starting point uh, that I, I never had. So um, I mentioned in our conversation um, uh, prior that when my that same son when he was 19 he came to visit me he had so many questions that he needed uh, answered and unless you're part of that world and know uh, and know the oppression of that world to know that he, what he had to do and undertake mentally, emotionally, uh, within himself and all the pushback he got from other people just because he wanted to go see his mother. And just because he had questions that he wanted answered. He had to fight just to come see me. And even while we were there together, the, the opposition uh, to allow us to have any free time to have conversation was, <laughs> was quite something. But in, in that time, we did have we did have snippets of free time and he had asked me if we were pro were a programmed family or experimented upon. And I just looked at him and I said, where did that come from? And he said to me, uh, well, I was walking with my friends and this song came on from one of the, within one of the stores. And he said, and I was walking on the outside of the store, but we could hear through the speaker, the overhead speaker, the music. And he said, Bob, I just don't understand, but there I was in the street, dodging cars and hitting them and, and daring them to hit me. And it was like I was, a matador dealing with a bull, but I was terrified and I was crying and felt like I had no control over my body. I didn't want to be there and I just didn't understand what was going on. And it finally, I was able to get back into the, onto the sidewalk and just thanking God that I was safe and, and, not understand, not understanding, and just trying to catch my breath and get a grip of myself, and I had an asthma attack, and 
And I, I asked my friend, why did he call to me or try to stop me or try to help me in some way? And he just looked at me and said, Mom, he just looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I've been talking to you. So you mean to tell me that you haven't been paying attention to what I've been telling you? Well, where's your mind been? He goes, Mom, my friend is telling me that I was walking alongside him while he was talking to me. But I, I promise you, I was, I was dodging cars and almost died. Mom, what is that about? I just looked at him and I said, okay, that's just really weird or Twilight Zone, but you know what, honey, I'll research it, but I don't know what to tell you. And so we went on to talk about other things. And then um, I put it away. I put it in the back of my head for a while. Uh, because I already had some other big research problem uh, uh, topics. Uh, I was doing some research uh, for a group in South Africa that were uh, fighting against poaching. So um, I I was explaining to them how uh, organized crime works, and I wanted to. I was researching the trade agreement. Uh, the BRICS trade agreements, because that's uh, where the poaching was being sheltered under. And so I was advising them with that. Well, then later on, I went back to Los Angeles. This meeting took place in Pennsylvania. And I went back to Los Angeles. And I was speaking at a at an elderly home. And do a Bible, a Bible study series there. And at the end of the, at the end of each, each session, I asked, uh, everybody in attendance if they had anything that they wanted me to pray for. And I would have one-on-one -on -one meetings with them in their room. And I was hearing stories similar to mine and similar to, this experience that my son had this very vivid not sure if it was a hallucination or if it was an actual happening or being in real time at two places at once and all you know just just strange bizarre and and other other things even more bizarre than that and so I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know how to help any of these people. This is just so off the wall. This is even more sci-fi than I think I've ever encountered. I, I just don't understand what in the world. But then listening to their stories were also triggering back things from my toddler years. Um. Well, I was telling you all the, the gifts and the abilities I had. And then it was triggering other things, too. Little snippets that I couldn't, couldn't grasp to, to 
to hold on to to get a real picture. But they were just like fireflies uh, glowed longer than these little snippets that were running through my head. And it was just like constant to the point where it wasn't stopping and it was and it was just maddening. And I was like, I have to I have to have recall of some type that's more clearer and more more dense and solid than these little snippets. Lord, how is this recall gonna gonna happen? I really need I really need it. Um and then I was the more I was researching for these uh for my elderly uh people I was helping, I was like, oh my gosh, these are like the CPS cases that I that I help people through. These are like the adult cases that I'm of post traumatic stress that I help people get through. The, the, these are the, nothing has changed. This is wow. This is almost a hundred years of of this horrible, horrible. The the these experiments are still happening. They're just named something else or spread out. It, it you know the information is spread out into. Uh, this organization, this this uh, military group, or this this uh, uh, orga- government-funded organization, or this charity, or oh my gosh, this is just—it hasn't ended. And oh my gosh, my son's right. I, this is possible that we are a program family or experimented on. What in the world? So then I I just looked up military military bases, uh, the different military bases in the United States, and found that I didn't know there was one so close to my hometown. And it made me it made me think that my son was right. And when I I started doing more research over the years and when I heard speakers say they go after people with bloodlines I thought okay well I don't have to worry about that but my but my children you know on their father's side come from a from a bloodline so maybe that well then this past year I was doing research about my genealogy regarding my health and found out that, oh yeah, I too come from bloodlines. And I'm, I was just so flabbergasted. And, I, and the remark that I made to you earlier when we first spoke was, uh, my life is making a lot of sense now. I just don't like the sense that it's making. But questions are being, are finally being answered. There's something that the public, I, I just, so yes, I do blame the public uh, as enablers. Another thing that I uh, fault the public about is um, wanting proof without doing their own research. 
Well, I think the people that you're you're primarily going to be communicating with here um, are already very well aware of all this stuff and um, the bloodlines. And um, by the way, I'd like to ask what which bloodlines, if you want to say which bloodlines did you find? Like, there's there's obviously the famous thirteen Illuminati families and um, quite yeah, a number of our, names underneath my, that. But yeah, uh, my uh, my husband traces to Montezuma. His, uh, you're already using my last name and I really don't care that I'm giving him away. Um, uh, it really doesn't have any effect on him. Uh, uh, he traces back to Montezuma. His grandma was, uh, the female general for Pancho Villa. His family is very intertwined in, uh, Mexico's history. Um, on my family... Uh, I know from the founding mother, uh, Princess Beatrice of Scotland. So, uh, she traces back to the Picts and the, I forget what the other, uh, but, uh, uh, she was Malcolm III's sister. King Malcolm the third sister. Um, and I always heard my father say, we are the Druids. We are the Druids. So I'm still doing research, but I feel like if the Druid, uh, Druidism came from, from anybody, it would be through her line. Um, that make, that's what makes sense to me. Um, there's also Hungarian bloodlines involved. Because of the founding father, uh, German bloodlines, um, uh, actually a, a number of different uh, European, uh, uh, even down to uh, as far back as tribes, I've been able to. I heard somebody say that this was rare that people could trace back to tribes, but I was. Uh, so far through uh, Beatrice, I've been able to trace back to to some tribes. Um, uh, it's the Leslie branch. Leslie is uh, my uh, my maiden name, and um, the history that I've been reading about them, they have. Uh, stayed under the radar playing both sides sometimes um and something that's weird is uh a few years ago my uh son uh was a model for Amber Carby and Fitch and uh, until he just he had to call them out on some things and he broke his contract um but in my research, I have found that the Leslie's and the Amber Carbies have had interact interaction over the years where they just their lives cross. The last time you talk that we talked, you had mentioned that that seems to be a normal thing, uh, or something that's been happening more and more frequently that you've been hearing about, and whatever we have time. 
I would like to, I would like for you to speak to that. Um, well, just from what I'm listening to with uh, Daniel Duvall and the people that go on his show, which I've actually reached out to, Caroline Hamlet, Nikki, uh, Elena, their stories are all super, super sci-fi, beyond like sci-fi even. But they all yeah, mention I, the same I, thing: the blood, the power. You know, the life is in the blood, and the the bloodlines of the yeah, Illuminati. I, I, you know, I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping my story very basic. Uh, because this is just, you know, people getting to know to know me, and you and I are getting to know each other. So, um, I mean, I I could I could just there, there's there's things that when I talk about it, I'm just like that really happened. That really did happen, and yeah. So <laughs> you know, um, it, but it, it even sounds so far fetched and off the wall and kind of buzzes my brain as I'm talking about things. So, uh, but I'm keeping things very basic for now. That's okay. Um, well, don't, don't feel like you're, you're compelled to say anything, but maybe you can give us um, a little bit of a well, foretaste. Right, right now. Yeah. I feel like I'm saying what just absolutely needs to be said. Um, I really want it just in case people, people from the States, when I say I fault the public, I fault the, the, the public of the states more so. I, in my experience, especially since uh, being on the format of social media, most of, my in, most of my advocacy, most of the information that I give has more of an impact in other countries than it does in America. Because I don't have to convince, I don't have to give proof to anybody. I don't have to convince the rest of the world. They're very aware, as you said. They're already very aware, or or well researched, or they take the unction and the initiative to research themselves. They stay open minded. They. They stay untrusting of their government, yet at the same time are still good citizens towards their government. They maintain that wholesome balance. They they have not given over the majority of citizens of the world. Thankfully, I think have not, at least in my view, have not given over uh, to the Stockholm Syndrome. That America has given it to. Do you want to mention a little bit more about the United Nations and um, and kind of like the overall the way that they they do child trafficking? I thought that was really intriguing what you shared with me about that, and just how that's that plays into the whole Stockholm syndrome that people have this vision or this image of the United Nations that wow it's such a great organization and. Man, it's so great to be a part of the UN, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> my challenge is for anyone to present to me one incident where a peacekeeper actually kept the peace, or where UN involvement led to something good. Because I think all of the continent of Africa 
could testify the best that the UN has what the U the best that the UN is in or or, or the best that the UN is. Um not to say disclaimer not to say that there are not good people in the UN. I happen to know there are plenty of good people in the UN. Thank God they're there. Otherwise, the UN could be a lot worse. Um, it would be a lot worse. Um, I have mentioned that the human trafficking, this human trafficking is is a, an anti-trafficking movement, is a cult. The reason why I say that it is. Yes, it is. It's a cult. Um, years ago, I was director of a shelter. And it was for a Christian organization. We had a, a deprogrammer that we called in because we had two clients, a, boy, a brother and a sister. that They were, uh, I think, late teens, early 20s. And they were so inseparable. They even held hands and just spoke to each other in whispers. And and they, they I called them the Wonder Twins because they were uh, so inseparable. And they thought that they had superpowers, uh, especially psychic. And I think they did have some... Uh, some abilities, but um, I I I don't think that they were truly developed. I think they were just led to believe. So I think they were more brainwashed and programmed than actually uh, developed in anything. Um, but so anyway, the deprogrammer was there with me as we were uh, observing them. And he was just observing them and trying to gain their trust. And so while we were sitting there and I was quiet with him, he just looked at me and he said, so how long have you been out of the cult? I said, what? He said, how long have you been out of your cult? I said, what are you talking about? I never was in a cult. I was in the mafia, but not in a cult. And I said, no, wait a minute. What? Tell me the definition of a cult again. And, and so he, he, we went over what a cult is. And, and, and what I'm mentioning is C-U-L-T. I, I mean, I have been a member of both O-C-C-U-L-T as well as C-U-L-T. And I said, you, you know... I never thought of the mafia as a cult, but it is. You're right, it is. So from then on, I've been presenting the mafia, from that day forward, I presented the mafia as a cult. And uh, the, the you, I say, I say that to say this. The UN has rebranded kidnap 
what we used to call just played old kidnapping, se- torture. The, I mean, these laws already exist for kidnapping, enslavement, holding false imprisonment, uh, non-combative torture, or what we call non-combative torture today, which just would have been abuse and torture prior. Um, and a number of other different things for neglect, for starvation, for uh, Menchausen syndrome, for um, so many different, we already have laws regarding these abuses. We already have laws that address the different levels and types within within what I just mentioned or even the combination of any of these and others. The way the laws were written before, it was easy to even hold, uh, it was so much easier to hold even politicians accountable to these laws. And it was so much, it was still a, it was still a challenge, but it was so much easier. It was still a challenge for victims to come forward and male or female alike and say, this happened. And the first psyop that was done was the satanic scare. Oh, when people came out like myself and said that Satanism exists, that people are meeting in the woods and are torturing people and animals, killing people and animals, uh, sacrificing babies, you know, all, all kinds of orgies and commuting with, with uh, the underworld, the demonic, the, the spiritual underworld and opening up these uh, horrific portals uh, and creating these horrible vortexes or or uh, bringing stuff up from vortexes and, and this, that, and the other. Well, what came out? A rash of movies. The Blair Witch Hunt. Um, that, that which became a joke um, in, in my home area. Um, uh, and all these, these, uh, and I'm not talking about the teen horror movies that are the slashers and the, uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll and teen slashers have sex out of stress type of movies. I'm talking about the, like the Blair Witch Hunt was a good movie to, uh, to say the satanic scare is just all about uh, a Chucky uh, series. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street actually was trying to bring attention to the the horrors of child sex abuse and the the satanic uh, the satanic uh, connection. Uh, 
because this is the other thing that men get blamed for. Men get blamed, uh, like uh, Gloria Steinman, rape occurred. I, I'm sorry for the the trash uh, truck. Uh, is out and about the neighborhood if you hear any beeping. At least it doesn't play for Elise in a in a um, ice cream man music that they do in Taiwan. The, it's really confusing because you think it's the ice cream man. It's actually the trash truck playing. playing oh, weird! It's really, really <laughs> oh, discombobulating. But I would take so, that over satanic, you know, mind control being broadcast <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, truly. Uh, so anyway, um. Gloria Steinman, I came across uh, a website where she's, she said uh, the reason why rape exists or occurs is because of testosterone. Okay, that might be partly true, um, but men are not to blame. Men are nurturers and protectors in their own way. As women are nurturers and protectors in their own way. Predators come and there there are male and female predators. There are male and female humans. And we have enough scientific study and evidence that the that pedophiles and pred, and other predators are actually wired. That's okay. Their their brain is wired and their chemistry is different than the human. We have this scientifically. And for those who have been severely traumatized and were being programmed to be psychopaths or secondary psychopaths like I was, we actually can rewire our brains and and rebalance our chemistry yet heal it's a fight it's a fight that we have to make even with my relationship with god and god backing me up and it's still an epic battle it was still a a decision it was still an epic battle for a few years of not wanting to give in to being a psychopath and to be a human being but it's possible i'm living proof of it and I know other people are. It's my joy. It's I have on my website. It's my sadistic glee to help people uh, overcome their overcome the demonic and and regain back their humanity. Because it's it's uh, okay if people want to believe we're on a p- prison planet. Fine, but we were not created slaves. There is God DNA in us. We have these God capabilities. Toddlers know it. Teenagers know it. It's why teenagers start turning into all, towards all kinds of spirituality. Because if they're not going to be uh, challenged with these gifts and abilities or have an outlet uh, for their for their creativity and curiosity and 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 they're knowing that they're a spiritual being. If if they're not going to have an outlet for that for the uh, for that holy righteousness that the that they have in that indignation towards everything that's 
that's just wrong with the world. They don't have an outlet for it. Well, you cannot fault them. I do not fault them for turning to Ouija boards and 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 call uh, and the occult. The word occult just means hidden knowledge. And this, this, uh, okay, I'm going off on a tangent, and I'm sorry I'm going off whatever topic I was talking about. But this I need, need to say from the heart. We hear about about the Illuminati or about all these hidden uh, and secret societies, and and people people will say to me, oh, so you know about as above so below right I said yeah that's just a basic law of the universe as above so below is no different than saying there's gravity in Taiwan it's called Tian Xia under heaven or Tian Di heaven and earth just everywhere everywhere that's just that's like the most common thing you can ever say in Chinese and in Chinese culture and language how do you say it again um, the character for Sky in Chinese Tian or in Japanese Ten, and um, the character for Earth, which is uh, in Chinese is D or in Japanese Chi. So um, it doesn't really matter how you say it; it's just the characters. And then Tian Xia means under heaven, so that's why you hear like Bruce Lee go like "Under the heaven, we are one family," because it's uh-huh. just a common, it's just but- a universal saying. It's an ancient. Th- multi-thousand-year-old thing, you know. They're almost but shy it, to say it, the name of God. It's just heaven, you know. Right. It, it doesn't sound like it's a uh, oh, this, uh, you know, heebie-jeebie, uh, mystic, ooh, type of thing. It makes it sound like, oh, you're talking about gravity. Like it's just a matter of fact, which it is. It's a just a matter of fact law. Even Jesus... So my answer to the people, and it's usually American Christians, I, sometimes I get somebody else from Europe who will say, and and they'll just all be like, oh, about it. And I'll say, well, Jesus taught, Jesus taught us as above, so below. No, he did. Yes, he did. But he said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Whatever you loose in heaven is loose on earth. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. That's above, as above, so below. Uh, I and there's several other examples that I give from the Bible. Um, but Jesus operated in that. Jesus operated in spiritual gifts. Jesus walked this earth. The name of my organization, which if you look it up, it's there's nothing on paper. It's just a name. And uh, I, I don't take uh, I don't take donations. I'll funnel do, do, I funnel donations uh, towards other charities. Uh, two reasons, uh, several reasons for that. Uh, and I'll get into them uh, a little bit, but. Um, the name of my organization is called Once Upon Eden. When, when my my mindset is, uh, 
that when God created earth and all therein, which is just a, a, a create, a, a creative expression of himself, of self-discovery as any artist, uh, understands this process. Um, and it's why we're so vulnerable when, you know, we put our art on the line and we're so sensitive about criticism is because it's part of ourselves that we're, we're opening up to the public to scrutinize. And it might be a self part of ourself that we ourselves just discovered and had the courage to express. So is the same with God. God, uh, I'm just going to go off the Bible uh, uh, version. So God puts man in this garden. Okay. He creates a woman. Okay. In the cool of the evening, God walks and talks with, with, with these two people. How closer to God can you get? Amen. Yeah. You know, it's the same as when he came and told me, no, I'm actually a very cool, cool person. I actually love you and all of my creation. Why I don't want you to create a, a graven image, why I don't want you to worship anybody but me is because, well, I worship you. I sing over you at night. I cry tears with you. Uh... I died for you or, you know, I, I came down to heaven, came down to heaven, uh, in the form of Jesus and, and sacrificed my life for you. How much worship can you get for that? Our God, what other God worships his creation or have, ha, how often do we hear that our creator who created us, we're his God. And I got plenty of Bible scriptures to, to back that up. We are his. Why is he a jealous God? He's not a jealous. He's not a. I, I get so err uh, and cringy when, when I hear that God is a jealous God because he's oppressive. And he's so domineering. He's a jealous God because he worships us. You know, in in the sense that as a parent, you know, you can understand like your life revolves around your kids. You know, you can remember before you had kids and it was like, well, you did whatever you want. Then you have kids. It's like everything centers around your kids. And but you're still you and you want your kids to obey you. But you're like, in a sense, I mean, not that you're worshiping them and what, you know, in the sense that ignorant people do. But but you just you're just all your attention is on them, even when you're not paying attention to them. And that's how he is yep. with us. And we get to know him in these different aspects. I said, when I was a child and I needed a father, I knew him as a father. When I was an adult and my husband did, my, my husband divorced me and uh, even left me homeless for a while. Uh, I, I knew God as my father, as not just my father, but as my lover and my husband. And I held his feet to the fire, just like I, I would a man. There's there's times on my Facebook, I, I like that Facebook does the, 
the memory uh, comes up. Uh, was uh, a while back, one of my statuses uh, came up as a as a memory, and and it was a status that I was so angry at God, uh, and, and I was so angry at God, the devil, life, uh, for some people that I knew, uh, some bad things happening, and and I said. Everybody, I need you to pray for God. All my praying people, I need you to pray for God. He is in the doghouse, D-O-G, house. And uh, I'm simmering down. I might allow him to sleep on the couch. But right now, um, yeah, it's the porch or the doghouse. I'm really that upset with him. People, oh my gosh, you can't talk about God like that. Yes, I can. I ha I'm not struck down by lightning. I'm still here. He says test him. Well, test him, but have some reverence. What? He's a person. Well, he's the creator of the universe. Okay, yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said he's the only husband I have right now. And right now, I'm pretty, pretty peeved with him. And yeah, he's the creator of the universe, all the power of the universe. This family has surrendered their will to him. And some shitty things are still happening for them. So uh, him being all powerful, king of all creation, creator of all creation, and this, that, and the other. Uh, he needs to prove himself. If he wants me to say, Lord, I love you. Just, I'm so thankful for you. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. You have my will. You have my adoration. You have my life. And and I'll, I'll worship and serve you. No, he needs to do this for me if he wants to have any sugar. I said, he, he created men in his image. You, you think that doesn't work for your husband? Well, it also works for him. And he's going to have to, he's going to have to pony up. And it was just like, uh, I don't know, you know, people were like, I don't know what to do with that. Well, I tell you what, I, I know I freak people out, but I put it out there to the universe and I put it out there to God and I just had to put it out there in writing just in a, in such a way within two hours, several months of their, of their hell. Where it looked like it was going to get worse, it turned around. So I, I put on the thread the praise report, and people were like, "How, how did you not get in trouble with God <laughs> for talking like this?" But he says, "Come boldly," and he is a real person. It. What is so more prevalent in our in our generations is evil. We know the we understand so much more solidly the tangibility of evil than we do the tangibility of love and that and that power of love. But it is the power of love that is the is the gravity that glues everything together. It's that energy that 
that vibrates the the bollock the atoms and the molecules and and the quarks. It's it's the energy, the chi of love that that sets everything back to right. And that's God. And what I was telling him in that that prayer, you know, people were saying, I'll pray for the people. It's, they don't need your prayers. They're actually totally surrendered to the Lord. They're totally surrendered. They're doing, ev- they're being totally obedient. They're doing everything right. It, but hell is still coming ag- ag- against them. And God in one fell swoop can, can end it right now. And I'm telling him, be the person that you say that you are for these people. Live up to your name. Live up to who you are. I, I for one believe that sometimes, I, I believe that God is a person. But I don't believe that God, and, and I'm going to say it right now, I don't believe he's the perfect person. What I mean by that is, not everybody's going to accept him and the gift of who he is and all that he's given us. Not everybody's going to accept the sacrifices that he made. I believe that God has a wounded heart. I believe that God has a grieving heart for those who reject him. I don't believe that he's this rock solid, uh, uh, full of bravado. I believe that he is this what I picture a human being to be, I picture the character of God. I really do. The men that I know, they are servants. They are... They... They, they know that they can wipe a baby. They can wipe... They can wake up in the middle of the night and change a baby's diaper. They're no less manly. Wash dishes for their wife. Run the sweeper. They're no less less manly. They could go hunting and fishing or cook in the kitchen. They're no less manly. Um, those are some of the same things that that women do. She's, you know, they're no less of. Uh, uh, womanly, or and they're no they're no more he man he he you know she man uh I'm better than a man or having to prove themselves to be equal to a man they just know who they are and the need that is there and I'm talking about men and women now the need that is there they feel it. And the sense of nurturing that everybody gets. It's solidness. And to me, that's that's our God. He he's there, he's just he's just yeah. You, you know, the the this the that everything we need at that moment. Whatever we need at that moment. That's him. Well, my friend Tony's listening, and he just said that um, God is pure love in my times that I've met him. 
and he's one of these guys that that goes up and, and meets the Lord and has had multiple <laughs> near death experiences. Exactly. That's and, you know that needs to be emphasized a lot. He's just pure love. Even if he, what you say is true, is. like it's not like this all encompassing, omnipotent. I am controlling every little thing all the time. Because he's not. He's giving us free will. That, by essence, makes us a free will entity outside of God, if we choose to be, whether that be in hell or in heaven. And isn't that the awesome, cool thing that, at the same time, we're outside of him, we're inside of him, too? Oh, you're getting some deep stuff here, sister. In in two places at once, or two paradigms at, at the same time. And... You know, I had mentioned in our talk, in my medical records, I've crossed over so many times. The one time I crossed over and I learned that God is such perfect love that he comes off as indifferent. And people who aren't used to love, to this perfect, unconditional love, are this. the horrible thing is that they uh, won't recognize him. And what Jesus Jesus said, what, what, what true hell is, is to be cut off and isolated and not have your expression heard or valued. And s- several times when I was over on the other side in different formats and, and in different uh, environments, I I saw this hor- the horrible heartbreak of somebody not recognizing that that they were in the presence of God because and they felt so alone and they felt so cut off because they uh did his love is so perfect that they could not recognize him it's like the equivalent of being in air and not daring to breathe because you don't know you're in air and holding your breath because you think that you're in water or trying to breathe while you're in water thinking that you're in air, if that makes any sense. Um, uh, yeah, there was... Uh, one time this person now to me these experiences were real and they and and to me they happened um, but there's no way to prove it there's no way you know um, when I say that so this was one of the NDE experiences where we were lined up I, I'm, I'm, I'm making this real short. We went through this process and we were in this waiting, waiting room and we were lined up to talk to God. And this man, he just went crazy because he was going through this whole process of being stripped away of all his hurt and his pain. And the whole entire time we were in the environment of love and he thought he was in hell and the rest of us were looking at him and some of us were crying for him 
we were crying. And we were trying to, the, the angels were trying to comfort him. The more comfort we gave him, the more he was sure that he was in hell. And he didn't dare go into the, he didn't trust anybody. And none of us knew how to, how to, how to approach, or, or you know what, how to absorb this. Uh, excuse me. So after we went to the throne room, we were put in another room, and we heard this uh, voice telling us, "Each one of you prayed for him." But I have to tell you, I gave each of you free will. And he's, he's, he's choosing not to believe. So there's even see, our unbelief. What Jesus said, our unbelief and our traditions of men really do. I think that's, I think that's the only boundary that God gave himself. And, and that's why I say, I think, I, I don't think that God is, God is perfect in that he is perfect love. But I feel like he's also this person that, that he, that he has feelings of, you know, the feelings that we do when, when we see something that's not right. But he's not, he, he put us here on earth. I started a series last year that I'm writing into uh, that I'm putting into a workbook called uh, saying that we we are uh, gods of this earth. People take a front to that, but we shouldn't. Jesus said we are gods of this earth. It says in Psalms we are gods of this earth. We are. We're created in the image of God. The first commandment He gave us was to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion, to take care of everything. Look what's happening in Standing Rock right now. Look at, um, I could I could give you all kinds of examples of how the indigenous around the world for the past at least eight or ten years have been fighting real wars to protect our air and water, let alone the land and the food. And that's just over and above the genocide and wars that they've been fighting for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, but that goes back, you know, they're being, they are being true to that commandment. The rest of us who are not need to get with the program. Plus, we need to develop our spiritual gifts. Uh, Jesus was able to walk on water. I've, I've I've had a conversation with a Tibetan monk while he was hovering. He was levitated and hovering. Uh, that's where he was comfortable sitting, was up in the air. So you know, uh, I I do long distance uh, uh, exorcisms and cleansing houses. I do in person. Uh, exorcisms and cleansing houses. There's a whole bunch of other uh, other stuff that I that 
uh, and I mentioned the stuff that I uh, that I did as a toddler. I'm forty. I'm going to be forty five years old, and I still operate in those gifts. Most people lose those gifts, or or think that they're of the devil or a curse. Um. Um. I, I, some of the stuff was brought out in me or highly, or I should say highly honed during the satanic abuse years, which those years were only a, a few, but also during the time where I had to do spiritual warfare, uh, to, uh, become a human and maintain my humanity. Um, so the technology of, you know, like any technical words or, uh, I, I don't have the vocab, the, that kind of vocabulary for, but, um, so anybody out there who is more studied or astute or know the history, uh, about all of this. Uh, forgive me for not using the correct terminologies at all um, as I answer Michael's question. But, um, it's a matter of you have to dig real deep in your inner core. Um, not to confuse, not to be confused with new ageism of centering yourself. But there is a place in our inner core where even the Bible says that we are the temple of the Lord. And there is a place within our heart. The, the physical heart actually has a brain. It has, it has brain cells in the physical heart. But you know that part in you that um, we call personality. It's that what you know, you're hearing my voice, you're hearing my words, but it's the expression of me and my personality. Well, this is getting even deeper and quieter past the personality into that part of part of you that has that inner knowing we don't especially in the western cultures are not taught to honor that intuition that's the first that's the first thing that a person needs to practice is listening to the intuition. Um, it's also said that the that your intestines have brain cells, and that the gut flora actually is able. So we have like a Jedi symbiosis going on, like the Jedi's do. Our gut flora, our gut flora, is seventy five percent. 70 to 75% of our immune system. 
um, if you remember when Anakin, the, the, um, so the Jedi's were, were, uh, test, did a blood sample on Anakin to find out, uh, oh, what are those little critters in his blood that they were looking for? And if he had a certain ratio that they knew that he had the calling of the Jedi. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's like that with our immune system. Our immune system is about 70 to 75% of our gut flora. They actually react. They have, they're part of our sixth sense. I thought that was so interesting. Um, if anybody wants uh, verification of that, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to have to Google or I'll, I'll try to find it somewhere. Uh, and, I, and, and put it up on my website. Um, uh, uh, so, but once you practice that you can trust your instinct and you can trust that intuition, then you will learn to get even deeper past that. It's, and it's a little bit somewhere past that that you start finding this true inner core of you where God communes. He's, but he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's that, it's somewhere a little bit past that where he resides and communes with your, with your true inner self. And what Jesus said... The kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah. It was this area he's talking about. So the New Agers it's twist here. it and they just remove Jesus. But we're supposed to actually find out who we really are with Jesus. Yes. And then find out who that is. Maybe and it's Jesus like our taught, spirit. Jesus taught us this. If You're not going to find it in the teachings of Paul. You're going to find Western Christianity and Roman Catholicism and legalism in the teachings of Paul. You might find a little bit about this in the teachings of Paul, but it's going to be somewhat skewed. You want to learn how to really do this? You follow the examples of Jesus. You follow, follow the teachings of Jesus. Whatever's in red, that's what you do. If there were any other books in the Bible, but Genesis 1 and 2, and whatever is, was written and read, you wouldn't need anything else. I really agree with you, and I just believe that um, people in the churches, they really worship Paul. And I, I believe that Paul is anointed, but he's also gushing revelation like we should be doing. We should all be Paul. We shouldn't worship Paul, you know, but but really to exemplify the words of Jesus above all is super important. Like you said, he fulfills all the prophets and the Old Testament. And we kind of put Paul above Jesus and the Old Testament. And we, yeah. we take everything we possibly can out of Paul and we try to live by that 
instead of the very freeing and liberating and even mystic words. Like today I was reading um, John chapter 16, I think it was, and Jesus is just saying his last words to the, or sorry, 11 maybe it was, I forgot. But anyway, he's saying all those mystical words like that they may be one in me and you and I and that they have the same love and I lay down my life and, you know, those kind of things that he said. And I'm just feeling, wow, this is something that, supersedes even the things that paul said i mean maybe john understood it and then john wrote the book of revelation which is really wild but i'm right um, now doing a study uh i got several books that i i i i i'm writing at the same time it's just that's how my brain works um and one is called revelations in real time because geez yeah we literally have revelations happening around us in real time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that crazy stuff that John saw, like, that's all coming true. And let's say he made it all up. Let's pretend he was just having a weird day on the island of Patmos and he hadn't eaten. And he was like, I'm going to die now, but I might as well write down whatever I'm seeing as I'm dying, which people think he never died, but whatever. But anyway, it's <laughs> almost like the Illuminati and the elite they're trying to make revelation happen. Like they're actually reading it and they're saying like, let's make 10 kingdoms of the European union and the United nations and whatever. And let's make a Google Chrome with a six, six, six and a mark of the beast chip in the head and the right hand, you know, it's like yeah. they're trying to and, do it almost. And then you have the Western Western followers of Paul saying, yes, Lord, come, come quickly, Lord, come. Yeah. And I'm like, no, to to what started the uh, study was in my prayer time uh, a couple months ago. Uh, and I was uh, reading uh, in the Book of Psalms, and I was just like, "Oh, this is a, a sweet scripture," and it was just something about I don't know something flowery, and. And something flowery and feel good. And I heard so clearly, read Revelations. I was like, okay. So I started reading. And, oh, so I got so angry. I was like, this is all preventable. This is stuff is happening today. This is our everyday news. And this is preventable. Ah. Oh. It's it's amazing to see how people are rising up. Like last night, I'm I'm sorry if I sound dingy because last night until 5 a.m. I was talking with um, the praying medic for the first time and just blown away by his humility and wisdom. And he was saying how we need to get on top of this Trump stuff because people who engage God directly in the mystic sense of which you're speaking right now, they fail to see the um, the political significance of what's happening right now in this week up till Trump's election and Clinton's demise, hopefully. But like this, he was like, this is, listen, we need to get on this right now. Like we need to do an interview pronto. Like, read my books and let's do an interview. And he sent me his books and he's like, all right, we need to get, because the mystics have no idea how important this is not just an election. This is something very, very unique and very significant. Yeah, it's an exchange know, is, of power. Everybody knows how pivotal this election is. And, and, and the U.S. is not just the only country that's having their elections. There's several other countries. 
and they're all feeling uh, the 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 pivotal shift as well. And I have to say, disclaimer, you know, Trump is a lot less. He's still part of that world. I have people thinking, you know, there's there's people thinking that Trump is the savior. Trump is, no, we have, what we have is the choice between two different futures. Either certain, certain World War III or a slower version and an economic collapse. Now, the book of Revelations calls for both of them. We could either have one come faster or one come a little slower. But I do believe that Trump is the better choice because there are some things that need to be set right that he will set right. But there's some other things, and this is not me just saying, oh, prophetically, it's just common sense. There's some things that he's going to screw up and we need to fix. But as the prophetic goes, those things too will be in the book of Revelation. But it's the people who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's people who are sensitive. When I say Holy Spirit, that's me saying love. I say God, Jesus, love. Okay? Uh, that's for everybody, anybody out there. Those who are sensitive to love and develop their spiritual gifts. We have the ability to bring back the the atmosphere of the Garden of Eden. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when heaven, that recreation, the the bringing about of the new heaven and the new earth. That, that's us doing that. Jesus being here, whether he comes from heaven uh, on a white steed or it's us occupying, it, it's still Jesus. So my children, when they were little, came to me one day, said, what if Jesus comes back? I said, okay, what if he comes back? What? Well, there's so much bad happening. And everything is, the roads are dirty. And we got a lot. And people are sick and poor. We got work to do, Bob. I don't think he's going to like what he sees. I said, you're right. We have work to do. Then they come back later. What if Jesus doesn't come back? I said, well, I've never thought of that. Well, okay, you tell me, what if he doesn't come back? <gasps> but we still have the same things. And they're not they're not good. Oh, but Jesus won't be here to do it. We still have work to do, right? As, you're right. Whether Jesus shows up from heaven or not, we still have work to do. You're right. So that has now become, from that moment forward, has now become my attitude about the rapture. 
doesn't matter for me it cinched it doesn't matter whether it happens or not we're here right now whatever needs to be taken care of needs to be taken care of if he shows up and he says come on sweethearts let's go and we go cool if he shows up and he says well let me see what you all accomplished okay that's okay. Very good. Ooh, no, not at all. Yay! Awesome. Over here. Over here. What the? What? <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm okay with it. All I know is I'm here right now. I'm responsible for me and what I learned. And as a teacher, as an activist, or as somebody that people go to, um, I better be on the up and up, especially if, uh, you know, I'm somebody who crosses over from time to time. I really better be on the up and up, <laughs> you know? Oh, so as far as the rest of uh, some more about exorcisms, um, so one of the houses that I, in cases I did just most recently, I mean, we were having, uh, one of the, one of the persons involved was making ER trips because they were getting gashes in their body, um, growling and all kinds of stuff. The attitude to take with demons is like an unruly dog or a dog that you got from the pound that you need to uh, you need to house train. Um, or a person that you have as a house guest yes. that you want them to follow your rules. Okay, because the, the, to tell you the truth, there are there are spirits everywhere. Okay. The air is full of spirits. Uh, just like the earth is full of bugs. It's only when the bugs start showing themselves in your house that you know that either you need to clean your house better or you need it fumigated. Something needs to be set right. So that's, that's the same point. thing with spirituality. If demons are manifesting, first check your own spiritual relationship with with God and your own character. Whatever needs to be fixed, fix it. Whatever you need to repent of, repent. Whatever breach of relationship that uh, you need to uh, make right, make right. Whatever forgiveness uh, you need to bestow to your uh, bestow it. Uh, Forgiveness is another in-depth topic. Most, I'll, I'll just say this. Sometimes it's not safe to have somebody who needs forgiveness into your life. So just the decision to forgive somebody is yes. sometimes Amen. enough. Uh, I do not uh, advocate at all for people to prove their forgiveness towards anybody. Um uh, okay, that being said, the next thing is 
know that God is your strong tower. He he is your safety. He is your fortress. He is what is all true and good about everything. Um, and the demons, uh, I'm just oversimplifying a lot, but the demons are creative beings also. Uh, just there, there's more to it than that. Not every, not everything in the hierarchy is a, is a, a, a fallen angel uh, or created by God. And I don't want to get into that now on this podcast. Um, this interview um but just treat it as it all is and there is a hierarchy that is listed in the old testament um and we are created in god's image we are created next what was the angels but we were created and and then us and the in all of creation but even though we were created in that order, we are created closer to the image of God and given the, the dominion that God has. So that means over the angels and over creation and over ourselves, our individual selves, do we have dominion. Nowhere in the Bible or in, in anything other than the Quran is it written or justified that man should enslave another man? So, if you are if you are uh, saying that you are following any any loving uh, uh, spiritual path, you are not going to enslave another human. You are going to keep. You are going to keep. And focus on your integrity and your autonomy and help others to do so. The same for themselves. And that is part, that is the key thing about being a parent. Is that you are teaching the other human that God used you to bring on this earth. To be, to walk in integrity, autonomy, and love. And the responsibility that is the freedom of their love of 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 life and the love of God. So, would you keep these things in mind and know that you have the authority uh, over over evil? That you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear nothing, because you know. That God is with you. The other thing that I've learned from this from this last case, which was really interesting, when I was dealing with the possession and the oppression of this one individual, I learned that demons feel fear and confusion, and it's not. And I know about the the and I've encountered demons that have the fear. Um, as in the Bible where they were saying to Jesus, don't do this, you know, please, please, you know, mercy or throw, throw us in the pigs. And, uh, okay. I've encountered that, but this was 
this demon was like, I don't know why I'm in her. I don't know how I got here. And when I, when I asked it its name and I started looking things up, video games, today's video games are using the names of real spirits and conjuring up real demons. It's more prevalent than the Ouija board. And I learned something that I never learned before. A lot of these spirits and demons don't want to be here and are confused as why they're here. Wow. Interesting. And they're, and they're tormented. And I'm like, that, I mean, I'm telling you, my mind was just blown. And then I felt compassion for the spirit. And I was like, okay, well, you can't cut her up anymore. You have to use your words. You know, you have, you can speak, you could use words. Well, those video uh, games show the demons, but the, uh, the systems that they use in the games are very similar. I'm finding to what you're describing, what many Christian mystics are describing as we enter into spiritual warfare. Hence the name of the show spirit wars is like how we engage the enemy, you know? And one thing I wanted to say earlier when you were talking about, um, heaven and earth and, know our relationship with god and all this stuff and the receiving the love of god is one of the weapons i believe we have access to is that verse about the keys of the kingdom as above so below and whatever you bind above will be bound below now no culture ever said that until jesus showed up and he said exactly and we have the authority to bind those demons and to open doors from heaven and to close the gates of hell so it's pretty heavy duty stuff. You know, the keys of the it kingdom is. are one topic I really want to have, explore. I never thought I would, I, I never thought that part of my sadistic glee of throwing back, you know, to use the slang shade at the devil and these dark entities would be to have compassion for them. The ones that are thrown into our, our paradigm and our century and our and our plane when they had no intention to be here um and at the same time there are some where i i the catholic church does not have the copyright and uh of of uh, exorcisms jesus does amen and jesus yeah. didn't get all uh Hollywood and and uh and uh he, you know just just get all uh, bravado with them he treated them as another another uh part of creation and so that was something that I've learned over the years is just be matter of fact with them and if you're not going to take it from a stranger, if you're not going to take it from an unruly child, if you're not going to take it from an unruly dog, don't take it from them. But don't be, uh, uh, sorry to, to use the term, but don't be a hard ass with them either. Just be frank, direct and straightforward, 
be expected for them that uh, that what you say, you expect them to do it. But also be consistent. Because just like a dog that you have to train or uh, a, a child that you're uh, like a child and it's terrible, uh, a toddler and they're terrible twos, you have to be consistent. So, well, this has been an amazing conversation, and um, I, I don't want it to end. I really don't. I just have to wake up in three hours and well, meet the plumber. Like I, <laughs> our oh, house is flooded. Oh, Michael! Oh, geez! I would let you keep going for almost three hours. Oh, oh wait, sorry. no, no! I've got four hours. I'm. I'll be all right. I'm. I'm fine. This is. Oh, I live geez. for this. You're the one that didn't sleep last night, so I. I know because we got I off and you. Sleep. I was like, "You, what time are you free?" And you're like, "I, I want to do this. This is what I'm living for. It's to fight." I do. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I do. I love it. I just, um, I, I enjoy it. I went through a lot of hell. I went literally through a lot of hell to, to uh, know this information, and uh, I do enjoy it. I, and anybody who does street ministry with me. Those uh, will experience how much I love playing my games with people who are wow. supposed to be this these hardened criminals who have killed people or had people killed, and I just like like uh, playing with them. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, we gotta we gotta do some shows just about your street ministry and Bible studies with nursing home patients and. Oh man, you have so many cool things that you know, we're going to explore. What um, once upon Eden is the so far. There's one organization that she's videotaped some stories, but I, but mine is the only organization that I know of so far that actually treats geri- geriatric remembrances of child sex abuse. And other tortures, because it comes off as dementia or Alzheimer's. Well, I thank you for your your redemptive um, outlook at this, because I almost forgot that we spent the first hour talking about some really dark stuff, and this last part just absolutely, you know, opening portals to heaven and Jesus. And I just, I, this is exactly my vision: is to bring heaven to the people that have gone through this stuff and you are living proof that there is healing and um, hope. And um, I believe that we can reach out to more of those people. I I asked uh, Douglas Dietrich, I was like, have you heard of Russ Dizdar? He thought I was talking about some, and I didn't word it correctly, but he thought I was saying someone that hated him. When Russ Dizdar never heard of Douglas Dietrich, Russ Dizdar ministers to SRA victims and Douglas Dieter never heard of Russ Dizdar. So it's like I major disconnect there. <laughs> you, know? you know what? I've been doing this for 30 years and I, I, a lot of the people I haven't, a lot of the people uh, I haven't heard of. It just came across in the past year, which I'm so glad because I ended up uh, for the per- past uh uh, several years uh, ended up knowing all these people within the anti-trafficking movement. Now, in the first year of the anti-trafficking 
uh, movement, uh, my year uh, of Facebook, and I ended up knowing these people in the anti-trafficking movement, and I was reading it and thought, well, this is confusing to me. This just seems like the work that I've been doing and the things that I went through, but it's classified differently. Well, it must be different. And then, uh, I, and, and, and then there was just uh, so much politics centered around it. And I thought, what is this? And then people saying, oh, well, I've been sexually abused, but I was never trafficked. Or I've been kidnapped and I was forced to do this, but I was never trafficked. I was like, what do they mean? And, and, the, and then I came across something that the UN was allowing the Ivory Coast to pay back France. Uh, for humanitarian aid to pay back France with uh, laborers going to France to work, but they were as documented as illegal immigrants. And uh, these people were being evicted from this building, and the whole world saw these these women and children being trampled by the by the authorities. And, and I and I went, wait a minute. This is the UN doing this. These are the the crimes against humanity. This is human trafficking. And I said, oh, this is a cult. And then the more I looked into the laws and all these things that the uh, that the UN was say was saying that to address in this human trafficking movement, these laws already exist. I know because. I, I, I've helped people with these laws over the years and either use them or fine tune them or what in the world? You know what? This is just remarketing. That's all this is. This is remarketing and this is politicians getting getting off scot free. Because this is a whole other paradigm and, and this, that and the other, and I was like, that's what this is. So then I started talking uh, against it and uh, calling out the hypocrisy. And the activists didn't want to know about it, but I've advised the American activists didn't want to know about it, but I've used that information to help other countries and organizations and individuals and to help filmmakers. And I know one filmmaker actually had the audacity to use my information when I told him that some of these brothels are run by by diplomats within the UN and he and he uh, had that as the as the plot twist to his uh, to his movie which I was really happy about so anyway you get good rest well, you know, we'll talk, yeah, there's talk just often. the tip of the iceberg here. I know I... I, I, I told you. No, you, you did beautifully. My, my and, clock is open to you, Michael. No problem. Aw, oh, thanks. So You're whatever so I have free time, uh, whatever here. you have free time, uh, as soon as I can make myself available to you, if it's not right away, right on the spot, it will be as soon as possible. Well, this was right on the spot, and um, I appreciate your uh, flexibility. In the future, we can schedule things and, and get them a little bit more nailed down. I just was so blown away by your conversation. I was like, we've got to get, it, we've got to get this gotta, out there I, I now. I got to <laughs> thank you because 
for uh, quite a while now, I've just been wondering what I have to offer. Uh, because I've been listening to Douglas Dietrich and we, we just keep mentioning his name. Uh, but I've been listening to, to so many others lately and I'm like, wow, their knowledge is just like so mind-blowing and it's answering so many of my questions and it's helping me to put so much of my life uh, together. And then I've been having the the fortune to talk to some some of the people that I've listened to on on YouTube, and they're like, "We got to get you to these conferences." And I said, "I don't know what I have to offer," but after today, I like and 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 your input. I'm like. Yeah, I, I I guess I do, and I'm 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 thankful for it. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I feel the same way. I've I've been blown away, uh, getting to talk to some of these people that that I've been listening to for years. And you know, maybe you're in a period of absorbing information, but I still feel like as you're doing that to share your story and your testimony, um, and to make yourself available to people who also need prayer too. Who knows who we'll meet? You yeah, know? I mean, it's I'm a journey. You know, I'm in a shift. I'm in a shift where, after an eight year break due to health uh, issues, um, that I'm shifting back into doing uh, personal appearances again. So I cool. actually allergic reactions, going into anaphylaxis, anaphylactic shock was causing me to do to if I was going to do lectures and presentations, it had to be on radio or via Skype. Uh, my activism had to be uh, via computer because uh, uh, and my phys- my physical appearances, each one was a test of whether I could be around people or not. One one uh, lecture I did, uh, I ended up going straight to the emergency room after giving the lecture because I went to anaphylaxis, an anaphylactic oh. shock. Oh my gosh! From exposure to the ke- to the perfumes that the people were wearing. Whoa, <laughs> man! So, uh, and I I explained to you this past summer, uh, I was supposed to. Uh, go to uh, a closed advisory meeting for the city of LA and it was uh, by invite only I was there as an observe I was to observe and then and then to be an advisor uh, because of some of the uh, violence that that's been going around the United States and I could I, I went and I got out of the vehicle and my skin felt like it was on fire. Needles being pricked on it and bugs crawling and biting me. And that was an allergic reaction. Uh, I had to go home, take Benadryl and do a detox. My my body reacted to the air that time. So... Yeah, you know, well, I've uh, my friend Tony I'm said sure. that he that no, but his wife doesn't let anybody with perfume around her because 
Um, she doesn't, so she doesn't use perfume perfume herself, I guess, and has the same condition. But um, but yeah, like yeah. Um, the thing is, like you can go into public, but you can reach just thousands times more people just through this little yeah, medium. And, I, and we're just starting out, but um, but you I never know where miss, this will go. I do miss my sit downs with the mafia. And I do miss uh, meeting with the politicians face to face and telling them, you know, uh, uh, you know, that they're they're monsters with in human form. <laughs> I do miss going to the churches and telling them you're effing up the world and you're not following Jesus. You think you are, but you're not. Um. And just to no, clarify, you're saying ministering to the mafia, not like doing deals with them. <laughs> I know because yeah, you told me privately. Yeah, Bible studies. I I do Bible studies, and I I confront mafiosos and and uh, and uh, administer to them. It's yeah, it's not. It's no. There's no legal activity happening. <laughs> it's probably one meeting that they're having that. Is just as intense, but yeah. is is only legal and not illegal. So but mafia people are some of the nicest people I've ever met. They just, you know, they live in the real world, but they have a bad rap. I mean, I almost prefer <laughs> they, them to anybody they, in the government. Oh, I love you for saying that because I'm constantly saying that, and I and uh, I'm from that world, and. uh and it's the truth. They're the, uh, it's, it's one of the other reasons why I don't take uh, donations is because the they get they they're so grateful and generous, but they'll also while they're giving you a donation, that donation uh, is killing two birds with one stone. That donation is cleaning up that money. <laughs> so. I, I well, and, and a lot of them yeah. are just doing kind of sh- not really super evil things. They just got friends of friends that help them open up ways to do whatever, you know? I mean, yeah, that's how everything know, works it, that it's way. So this is so ingrained in them. Like, for instance, my aunt embezzled two different times. Okay. Multi-millions of dollars from the federal government and got away with it. My grandfather was so proud of her. That he made her, uh, what's what's it, what's it called? The, uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, so anyway, she ended up. She was in charge of his and my grandmother's estate. The executor. He made her. He was so proud of her for embezzling money from the government twice and getting away with it that he made her embezzler. I mean, the executor of the of his will. You know, it, it it's just, and I'm like, wait a minute, she did she federal offense. He goes, but she's good with money, and she makes good decisions. And she, in the end, it's all about business. trust and who you can trust, even wherever yeah, you are. Yeah, like, know? but she's, she's good with she's good with money, and she. She's uh good about business. It, you know? <laughs> so that that's out that and there you go. 
okay, well, you do have to go to sleep, so sweet dreams. <laughs> okay, all righty, well... well talk again thank you so much i'm i'm so thankful and um just looking forward to to talking more soon god bless you yeah you too oh michael 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 how could i okay good night good night